welcome back to What the Hell is Up. Music that you just heard is um, a song called Shut In by Drench Fries. Uh, Drench Fries is a Seattle-based singer-songwriter with um, some really amazing kind of like acoustic-y rock sounds. Um, I'd say Drench Fries kind of has this like, like, um, almost like Death Cab for Cutie kind of like melancholy, but also a bit more folk. Um, very, very good. Totally check them out. You can find their music on all platforms, including Bandcamp. And, um, I originally saw Drench Fries perform at FriendFest, which was a really small music festival hosted by Werewolf Vacation, which was a house venue in the university district. Um, they recently had to sort of disband or move, but, um, I remember it was such an amazing time last summer going to FriendFest. It was really just, like, the cutest, most, like, hashtag cottagecore music festival, I think, probably on the planet. Okay, that's a bit of a stretch, but seriously, like, it was just a group of, like, local musicians who put this together. It was very homegrown. Um, Seating was outside in the yard on quilts, and they had created all of these handmade textiles, which were strung up around the yard and it just felt like a little safe haven in the city to listen to like indie music and it just um was really inclusive and welcoming and sunny and warm um artists visual artists were selling their art in the living room and the food that they sold was homemade and it was just all so lovely plus they were raising money for an organization in seattle that was um, that provides legal legal help for um, for migrants in the Seattle area. So just everything about this music festival was pure loveliness. And I just specifically remember um, this kind of like lovely moment of being there. Um, and seeing as I'm going to be talking about the cottagecore aesthetic, as well as doing a bit of a Q&A, I thought I would kind of share that. So, friends, what the hell is up with continued quarantine? But really, what the hell is up with cottagecore? And um, what the hell is up with me? I'm doing a bit of a Q&A here. This episode came out of an unexpected change because I ended up getting exposed to a patient and um, being positive for COVID. I've been blessed to have just, like, very mild, minimal symptoms, but it did require me to self-isolate for 10 days, so this is the longest time that I have ever been, um, without human contact. Yeah, I'm going on day, uh, 10 is tomorrow, day 10, yeah, day 10 is tomorrow, and I have, I've never been away from people for this long, so, um, at least I know that I could survive, (laughs) and, um, not actually survive, but actually thrive. I've actually been doing my best to make this, like, a very mindful time, despite the fact that there was that initial anxiety of getting COVID, and and then wondering, like, who in my, 
who in my network might end up positive. Um, luckily, nobody has been positive and my symptoms have been minimal. Um, my fears were really just wondering if I was going to get depressed and how my anxiety was going to be being away from people for this long. And of course, like, I've been staying, like, up with people, like, you know, in phone calls and such, but there's something about physical proximity to other human beings that I miss. I feel, like, just actually very enchanted by, like, noises that I'm hearing of, like, neighbors around who just are not very communicative, even from a distance. So mostly it's just, you know, like me and the insects which have been crawling around in the yard and I actually feel like that, I feel like that Spongebob episode where like Spongebob is, for some reason he has to stay indoors and I actually, I don't remember why, so if your Spongebob knowledge supersedes mine, then I'm sorry for the disrespect, but I don't remember the context, I just know that Spongebob's only friends in that episode were a used napkin, a potato chip, and a coin. And I kind of feel a little bit like that. Like every time I've seen like an insect like outside or in the house, I just feel like, oh, okay, like <laughs> I'm not alone. <laughs> um, I promise I am staying, um, I'm stable, but yeah, that's just where we're at. So, um, but additionally, I do kind of feel like I'm living like this cottagecore retreat, minus like my like cottagecore lover who <laughs> is, you know, non-existent at this point. But, um, I, I realized that like when it comes to this cottagecore aesthetic, I think that I've kind of always been cottagecore, <laughs> or just, like, my habits have been cottagecore. Not to say, like, I knew what this aesthetic was, because I actually didn't, but one of my friends, she, like, basically pegged me as being, like, having, like, a really keen cottagecore aesthetic, and I was like, what is that? And she was like, okay, this aesthetic is just, like, so popular right now, and in terms of, like, knowledge of like queer aesthetics. I definitely respected her opinion. So I've looked into it a bit more on my own and probably you already know because a lot of people have been talking about cottagecore, but it's an internet like thread and an aesthetic and it's also kind of like a lifestyle, I guess you could say. Um, think like an idealistic return to simplicity. Think like um, sort of meadows of grass and daisies and like farm animals and gardening. Think little like actual cottages and um, baking, wearing gingham, wearing bonnets, um, like sweeping the like the rustic wood floor <laughs> and then like making a cup of tea and then pouring it into like a floral vintage uh, teacup. That is sort of like the image of cottagecore. And there's it, um, cottagecore was an aesthetic coined by Tumblr with a hashtag back in 2014, but according to the internet, it has grown exponentially with like in parallel to the rise in COVID cases. And obviously this is like no mistake, friends. It's somewhat 
it makes a lot of sense that like different folks during this time period would be craving sort of like a um, fantastical, like romantic escapism during this time of necessary social um, unrest as well as COVID-19 and this, the, um, like the pain of loneliness and isolation and just like the anxiety that comes with like collective grief and sickness. Um, and there's also something about just like returning to simple living, which is not necessarily new, but has been even more something that I think we're craving during this time. But the thing about Cottagecore, like, beyond that is that there's actually some themes within it that have, like, deeply thoughtful, thought-provoking, um, like, cultural artifacts and meaning which you could derive from. First of all, there's the emphasis on sustainability and simplicity, which is not the kind that, like, polices behavior into forcing you to only collect a single jar of waste during a year's period and convert every single one of your items to one that's quote-unquote zero waste, but it's more about just a slowing down, a thoughtfulness and mindfulness about what you're consuming, maybe like growing your own fruits and vegetables or paying a trip to a produce stand instead of just the supermarket, maybe carving out time to go to a farmer's market if it's accessible for you. And there's really no policing of what counts as, like, more simple or more sustainable, because I think that, like, overall, Cottagecore doesn't ignore the fact that when it comes to climate change and, like, these practices which are harming our environment, it doesn't necessarily come down to the individual consumer. Often it comes down to these systems which exist oppressively and um, are sort of beyond the individual's con consumer's ability to manipulate at this point. Plus, um, it takes resources to be able to be more sustainable in one's lifestyle. But I think that, like, what Cottagecore does really well is thinks about, like, the joy in slowing down and the joy in, like, living more, simplis more simplistically or being more mindful about what one is consuming, like, whether it is just, like, enjoying a cup of tea or enjoying, like, baking that banana bread or, like, enjoying creating that sourdough starter, which everybody's gotten so good at. <laughs> um, and I don't think that's bad. I think it's really a wonderful thing. I also feel like if you subscribe to any, like, New Age spiritualities, um, even, like, Buddhist spirit spiritual teachings, or Wiccan spiritual um, teachings, this idea of sort of um, honoring the earth and honoring nature and honoring life by abstaining from practices that would be harmful to people's lives um, also sort of coincides with this like return to sustainability or simplic simplicity. Not just because like it's going to make these radical changes to save our environment, though like I hope that the small changes might help, but also just that like it does something for your spirit to be honoring the honoring what you consume and and thinking about like who created it and um 
just like having more gratitude for that process. The next thing that comes to mind with cottagecore is the queer element. Okay, so when it comes to queer aesthetics, I feel like I sometimes, it's kind of a complicated thing. I remember when I hopped on TikTok like a few months ago and just like really got sucked into like these like threads of like <laughs> TikTok thirst traps and like all this ridiculous queer content and like some of it was very fun but some of it like I found to be very curious because on the one hand you want to feel like you're being seen in media but there was like just so many like young queers who seemed so adamant about um basically categorizing themselves or like labeling themselves with a specific aesthetic like there's just so many videos that are like the like the witchy lesbian or like the cottagecore lesbian or like if you cuff your jeans and you use a, a carabiner to carry your um your house keys then obviously you're bisexual and like on the one hand I was like okay you're not wrong <laughs> but still it was like kind of strange because I I don't know maybe it's just sort of like we're still pretty young in like queer acceptance and these kinds of like sort of comical ironies of um culture <laughs> and like assigning oneself to like a cultural category based on their sexuality feels affirming and I think that cottagecore like is somewhat one of those um yeah I think maybe like I don't know being keen on these like cute aesthetics is not wrong in a world where like for me being 24 years old I can't really remember any representations of um like queer people in media that I absorbed like whilst I was growing up or like in high school it wasn't until later on that I started to kind of be able to picture myself as a queer person in in media um and I think that TikTok is like just a place where as a queer you can see yourself pretty quickly <laughs> um but more than just being a type of queer, cottagecore also has kind of been argued to have a, like, feminist or just, like, inherently queer quality in that queers are able to, like, reclaim an experience which historically they might not have had. Because if you think about it, cottagecore also has a connotation of, like, making a home, things like doing, um like I said, gardening or baking or, like, keeping a sacred kitchen, like, a sacred space in your kitchen. And these kinds of activities might have historically been confined to a housewife and existed in a very heterosexual, normative, and somewhat patriarchal structure. But when it comes to the cottagecore vibe, there's, like, very much this liberation that could come from queers being able to like be themselves with their I don't know their adorable like cottagecore lover and <laughs> um just like 
enjoy like their like cozy romantic life in a cottage somewhere when like normally they wouldn't be able to or like feeling safe in a haven even though society might not have always accepted them or might not continue to accept them especially if they are um like gender non-conforming or trans or holding another marginalized identity cottagecore exists as a sort of romantic escape that they could experience like a beautiful life in um and where housewives might have once been the ones to be found in the kitchen baking pies or watering plants, and queers would have historically been found in gay bars or clubs, Cottagecore also provides new imagination for queer people to imagine themselves in all sorts of spaces and to um, be able to form their queer identity in them. So I think it's quite beautiful that the internet has made a way for queer folks to connect to this sort of like soft escapism and dream of building a like beautiful life, um, one that's like very simple and could be involved with family that's not necessarily attached to heterosexuality or patriarchy. Hence why the idea of running off with a woman in a cottagecore fantasy is appealing and might even be actualized for some. Um, okay, so we're going to move along to my answering some questions which were posed to me on Instagram. I reached out on Instagram and asked folks to submit questions just as a bridge in this podcast because I was sort of searching for some content and um, had to delay one of my features, but I do have a couple of lovely episodes coming up. Um, one is going to be about sort of witchcraft and um, relationships from a local Seattle witch who I'm not going to disclose her name. And then the next is um, going to be focused on sustainable fashion. So I have some like exciting upcoming episodes and I thank you for your continued listening. I know that there's a lot of different things you could be listening to right now. And I just really appreciate that you would be listening to me. So the uh, I got just a few questions. Um, one of them was by a stranger who I did not know, whose Instagram just did not look legitimate. And they asked me, can I get to know you? And so, um, sir, yes, you may, in listening to this podcast, might you? <laughs> Anywho, okay, so some of the themes that I sort of threw out as suggestions for podcast questions were, um, like, nursing or, um, about my cat. I also, like, just somewhat ironic ironically wrote The Void, and one inquirer asked me, what does The Void mean to you? And then also asked me, what are things we should put in the void that we spend too much time thinking about? And I found that to be, like, really interesting because now I'm wondering if I've actually thought about the void in the wrong way. I think about, like, the void as being sort of that, like, existential dread that comes from contemplating meaninglessness or, like, open space, um, 
or just sort of like the like meaninglessness of our existence, like arbitrariness or even just like transcendence. Like if you think about the good side of the void, it makes me think of mystery and the unknown and uncertainty, which um, like always exists and is kind of beautiful. But if there was something that we should put in the void, I think that the problem that we experience with the void is that, like, at least for me, like, I sometimes hold anxiety about those unknowns. But I think that, like, becoming close with the void and just acknowledging it is sort of, like, how we can, like, appreciate life and like, also cope with it, which is sort of what I do through, like, meditation practices and um, spirituality. The next question, I had a couple of questions about nursing. Um, someone asked me, well, actually, they were like, I miss dancing with you. And yes, I miss dancing with you as well, friend. Um, they said, how and when did you know you wanted to go into nursing? And someone else asked me, was it always nursing? What other passions did you want to pursue? What pushed you here? Um, ever since I was about 15, I knew that I wanted to take care of people. Um, my, my dad is an engineer and his science background always, he sort of like fostered a lot of curiosity within me about science. And I was kind of a nerd in high school. Like I loved all subjects and I loved learning about the human body and just like was very curious about many things, including science. Um, but I also knew, like, I wanted to do something, like, very humanistic to, like, contemplate humanity <laughs> and also to, like, interact with humanity closely. I didn't want it to be something abstract. So nursing was sort of like a middle ground in all of those things. And I also had an innate desire since I was, like, 15 or so um, to, like, draw people in and to interact with people who society, like, tends to, like, cast out and forget about. Um, it felt like, I felt, like, very driven to, um, to make people feel dignified, even when, like, society might, might cast them out. So that's, um, that was mainly why I wanted to become a nurse, and I couldn't really shake that feeling, even though in college, like, I did get really inspired by, like, English courses and humanities and, um, like, I loved writing papers and just, like, reading classics and all of that. Um, so I kind of did, like, desire to study other things and, and, like, I also, like, just love, like, art and media, which is part of the reason why I started this podcast but, um, like, ultimately, I couldn't really get away from the fact that, like, I was supposed to be a nurse. So, there we have it. The next question is, how does your cat bring you joy? My cat's name is Ginger, and she is a little black cat with, like, white paws and, like, a white, like, chest and belly. She is, like, super adorable, um... She can also just be, like, such a diva, and, like, my housemate knows that she can also be a little bitch when she wakes me up at, like, 2 a.m. and starts, like, pawing at my face. Um, 
My sister told me that cats do those kinds of things because they like psychologically believe that they're like dominating their owner. <laughs> so I guess like she actually believes that she like owns me and like she's the one controlling me, which doesn't really surprise me. And she definitely has like very witchy and magical vibes, which is part of the reason she brings me joy. It's just like really wonderful having her in my presence and there are times when I feel like she's noticed me doing something shady or like not doing something that like doing something contrary to my like my identity or my intention and I swear she just like looks at me and just gives me a knowing look and is just like Claire you better stay true to who you are <laughs> so um yeah she also brings me joy because she brings a lot of joy to my housemates, and I think we all just, like, appreciate having her around. Next question is, why is your humor in memes and TikToks so cheesy? I feel very seen by this question because it's true. I really love cheesy humor. I also love really stupid humor. If you've ever seen the movie Hot Rod or if you like the show Portlandia, <laughs> I don't know. I just like really absurd humor. Um, I think it's because like I just feel like I'm an absurd person and uh, I I think the cheesiness comes from probably like my dad's humor. Just like very um, that classic like like dad humor that really doesn't have a lot of substance. <laughs> um, I really like that stuff and uh, yeah, just the stupider the meme, the better, to be honest. Maybe I just have, like, I don't know if it's, like, my nursing career that's created me to just have, like, a really, like, mediocre caliber of, like, like, quality of comedy or something. But, <laughs> um, yeah, I just, I love that stuff. Well, um, that concludes my questions. I hope that this podcast episode could be just like a really short and like enjoyable sort of cozy, hoogly episode to uplift you during, um, during these trying times and, uh, while we continue to face like big questions of, um, like systemic oppression and unpacking a lot of, um, like, ways that we can be participating in our community. So, um, yeah, I hope that you might feel inspired to, like, cultivate mindful cottagecore vibes in little ways and just, like, know that you are worth it, you are loved. I also, again, want to thank Drench Fries for being featured on this podcast. Love your stuff so much. 